whether it's at a barbecue or at an event like this, you know, find, an op- find a way to get up on stage and share your story. And the more you do that, first of all, you get better at telling your story. Second of all, you don't know who's listening. Like, you don't know who's going to be in the audience. You, quite often, you don't even know who you're really talking to at a barbecue. And, and this is a funny thing. Is like, you know, we've raised uh, a lot of money over the, over the years. Um, and we've brought on lots of investors. And I trace it back, like, first of all, it was never go to an event, meet an investor, and pitch them an idea, and then two weeks later they give you a term sheet. That just, that just doesn't happen. But if I trace back all of, the, um, all of my experiences with our investors, the relationship actually started 18 months before the investment. And it was at a barbecue, or it was, you know, an event like this, where you just meet somebody interesting and you share your story. Um, and then you spend the next 18 months building that relationship until you're at the point where you can ask for money and they, they already know the backstory and they're just looking for the opportunity to give you a check. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. Episode three of a seven-part series with Vaughan Ferguson, sole founder and former CEO of Vend. Vaughan continues describing the journey with Vend, the first holistic cloud-based retail platform. Years ago, the company differentiated and aligned to independent retailers specifically. He describes them as generally incredibly passionate, not techies, and just okay business people. He calls them cherish retailers. And Vaughan feels the online experience will never kill bricks and mortar businesses. How did you actually go about getting a team and thinking about how you approach some sort of product market fit? Yeah. So it was about it was about halfway through the cycle where I, I pretty I, I pretty much made up the, my mind that I was going to go ahead with the idea of in. Um, and I had product well I had screen designs. You know, had ideas of what it would look like, and as I went, as I was um, passing through different um, cities around New Zealand, I would uh, hit up people that I knew who were in the kind of the startup ecosystem, and I'd say, "Hey, want to come for a ride on a bike? I've got I've got some crazy ideas that I want to um, wow. ask you." And so, um, you know, two of those people were Sam Morgan and Rowan Simpson, who were both from Trade Me, which was New Zealand's eBay back in the day. Um, and they'd exited uh, Trade Me for squazillions of, of, of dollars. Um, but that's how I got to know, not super well, but I got to know Sam and Rowan. And, and you know, both of them, I hit them up and said, hey, you know, I'm gonna be passing through your town. Um, fancy, and I knew they were into cycling, so I was like, fancy coming for a bike ride. And, uh, and then, yeah, just um, as we rode, told them about my idea of what, what I was doing. And, pulled out the screenshots on the paper, it's like, it's gonna look like this, and it's gonna be green, and it's gonna be amazing. Um, and, you know, you know, I, I never really asked them, but, um, like, I don't know if it was the, the bits of paper and the idea, or whether it was, like, just this crazy bugger who was on a bike, who put his, you know, set his mind to cycling the length of New Zealand, and, you know, and if, if he could do that, then he, could, he would probably follow through on his idea for a startup. Um, and the three of you, um, what sort of different skills are the three of you, how did you, you know, how did that work? Like, what you, you know, you must have really thought about finding people that do stuff well that you don't do or that you don't yeah. like doing or whatever. Well, so I brought Sam and Ron as investors. So, you know, they, 
um, they helped. Well, they you know they they invested multiple times over the years, so they became um, cornerstone investors. Roman was a bit more active, so he was he you know asked him to become the chair of them, um, and so for the first three or four years, he was he was pretty active in the business. Um, you know, sharing his experiences that he had seen within TradeMe as they went on their rocket ship journey. Um, and so I'm eternally grateful for that time uh, with Rowan. Um, and, then, and then we just constructed the team. You know, it, it's one of the lonely things of being a sole, sole founder is you know, the, the weight sits on your shoulders. And so you've got to very quickly find a bunch of equally passionate people to share the load. Um, and those, those early, those early uh, those early team members are, are pivotal because you know when when you're one and you're you know growing the team to be two, you know if you get that second that first hire wrong, it could be devastating. You know, and it could be a mistake that takes years to unwind. Sure. Um, and uh, I think I was lucky that I had um, amazing people who wanted to come on board, could see the see the same thing that I saw, and just wanted to be a part of the, the journey. Um, Fantastic. So. Um, so it's definitely now a high-growth SaaS success story. Um, just for you know, people who are not in the space, what differentiates it from, let's say, a Shopify or a Square or a Springboard Retail or a QuickBooks Books Pause? What, mm -hmm. what, what is it that, that uh, separates Vend from, from all of these guys? So when we started, we were the, we were the first cloud-based retail platform. And, and what I mean by that was we we did point of sale and we did inventory management and we did do um, uh, CRM like all the bits of the software that a retailer would use to run their business, um, and uh, and we were the first on iPad because um, the iPad came out a year after we launched, um, and uh, but then very quickly uh, the space filled up, the space got quite quite crowded um, because. Everybody from adjacent areas also realized that they could build an iPad app, they could do point of sale and build some inventory features. Um, and, uh, and so yeah, the, um, the thing that makes us different, I think, is like we rode the, we rode the wave of being first for, for, for probably five years, um, but then you've got to come up with a new trick. <laughs> it's like, you've got to come up with something else that's different because then everybody else was also doing the same thing that we were. Yep. Um, so the area that we really focus on is independent retailers, because retailers in industry is massive. It's you know, it, you know, some people think of retailers everything from bars and cafes all the way through to you know, fashion stores, up to you know, service industry um, salons, and we were doing all of it. Like for the first five years, we were trying to service every variety of retail, and. They're all different businesses. Like the way you run a cafe is different to the way you run a bar, which is different to the way you run a fashion store, which is different to what way you run a nail salon. Um, and uh, and so yeah, a couple of years ago, I just had a look and say, well, what what are the things that that kind of make us different that we are really really good at, um, both from a product point of view, but also from a cultural point of view. Like, what is the area of retail that we feel the most passionate about, the most aligned to? Um, and it was really obvious. It was, you know, it was the independent, inventory-based retailer, the fashion stores, or the gift shops, or the sporting goods, because these are retailers who they opened a retail store because they were in love with their their thing. Like they loved vases, or they loved um, sporting goods, or they loved toys, or they, you know whatever that that passion was. And these are passion people, um, and and so they're passion-led, and and they weren't great technologists, 
and they're okay business people in that they were kind of learning how to run a business as they went, like like we all do. Sure. Um, but the thing that made them special, their superpower, was their passion for for their particular style of type of retail. And so now we just align ourselves completely, focus on what we call the cherish retailers. You know, we're cherish retailers. Yeah, yeah. where you're going shopping because you you're buying something that you want to cherish, or it's a gift for somebody else that they you hope they will cherish as well. Versus like the chore of retail, which is like grocery shopping or you know yeah. getting filling your car up with with gas. Um, and of course, the cool thing is the trend is moving back again to smaller retailers, isn't it? People are tired of the yeah, the, the large mega stores. The experience well. is changing, so malls are dying, and people are going back to the independent retailer because we don't all want to wear the same clothes and drive the same cars and wear the same shoes. You know? And uh, in a in a global environment where where it's actually getting easier and easier to be your own brand, like it's actually becoming much easier to manufacture and build products. And so if you're a retailer and you know you want to have your own your own fashion label, um, like it's still hard, but it's 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 probably a lot easier than it was ten years ago to, to create your own fashion label. And also the the software available to you to run your business, like the e-commerce tools like you know the Shopify's and the WooCommerce's and the Magento's. Um, and then you know you're running your accounting on the cloud, and, and so the software is also made lowered the bar considerably. Yeah. And so the thing that actually defines the, the the success or fail of a retail business is the experience, is the brand and the whole customer experience that you get in the store. And this is what this is why you know obviously people ask me a lot around how e-commerce and you know Amazon is going to kill retail. It's like it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen because. Um, you, you cannot replicate that physical, tangible experience of a retail store online. Yeah. VR yeah. will be the next thing, but it will never, it will never quite be the same as, as of that no. that experience of going hunting and the hunter-gatherer yeah. type thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Of finding those things. I actually think building a personal brand sometimes is almost easier than building a um, a corporate brand, and you're very recognisable. Uh, you're also quite charismatic in your own way. I think you know that too. You know how how useful is it? Do you think to a business to have an individual um, that has a profile? Because you're a TEDx speaker and you've done lots of things. You know, does that create? Uh, does that draw people towards you? Do you think? And has that been useful for for you as an entrepreneur? Absolutely, on multiple levels. Um, people are more and more, you know, and, and I mean by you know customers and. And, and team members, they want to connect with a, a purpose, a meaning. So, well, why are we doing this? Like, why are we building the software? Or, why are we in retail? And more and more people are looking for the backstory, or the connection, or the, you know, the goal, or the you know, the the dent in the universe that you're trying to create. Um, and I think that's something that entirely, completely by accident. I, I'm, you know, I didn't design it this way, but. I just shared my passion and my story with as many people who would listen. And I quickly realized that the more I did it, the more people just gravitated to wanting to help. Um, so that's how I attracted the you know early team members. It's like people just literally started coming to me saying, I've heard about what, what you're doing and, and uh, I want to know how, you know how can I help you? Yeah. Um, and same with customers, like you know, they they heard you know the stories about you know the crazy founder doing you know disrupting the industry in a good way, you know. Making, yeah. making retail more dynamic and, um, and they were literally hunting us out as well and uh, and it just kept going from there you know? so this is the other bit of advice I give to founders is like tell your story everywhere you can you know 
find the thing that you're, the part of the story that you're incredibly passionate about. Um, and that, that passion can be infectious. Like, whether it's at a barbecue or at an event like this, you know, find, an op find a way to get up on stage and share your story. And the more you do that, first of all, you get better at telling your story. Second of all, you don't know who's listening. Like, you don't know who's gonna be in the audience. You, quite often you don't even know who you're really talking to at a barbecue. And, and this is a funny thing, is like, you know, we've raised uh, a lot of money over the, over the years. Um, and we've brought on lots of investors. And if I trace it back, like, first of all, it was never go to an event, meet an investor, pitch them an idea, and then two weeks later they give you a term sheet. That just, that just doesn't happen. But if I trace back all of, the, um, all of my experiences with our investors, the relationship actually started 18 months before the investment. And it was at a barbecue, or it was, you know, an event like this, where you just meet somebody interesting and you share your story. Um, and then you spend the next 18 months building that relationship until you're at the point where you can ask for money and they, they already know the backstory and they're just looking for the opportunity to give you a check. So, um, so a great example of that is this was like just after I guess we raised raised our seed round, which was from Sam and Rowan. Um, uh, I got invited to one of these events, you know, one of the kind of like startup pitch events where you know you get you get a five minute window, or whatever it is, to pitch your idea to an audience. And, um, and so I did a few of those, and I did one in San Francisco, and which is called uh, I can't remember what it was called now. It's like Cloud Connect, and um, and like. Then didn't even really exist. I had a snazzy video and some some pretty pretty looking screenshots. I was frantically building building the software, and um, anyway, I got into the finals of this pitch event. Didn't win, but um, but just the experience of being able to get up and talk about your idea and, and do the pitch uh, was incredibly valuable experience. And then out of that, just out of the blue. Um, uh, had this uh, German fellow reach out to me and who'd, who'd seen, seen the then pitch and he was like, wow, this is really interesting. I want to talk to you more about it. In the next installment, episode four of a seven-part series, Vaughn explains why founders should tell their story and pitch to people wherever they find themselves. And he explains why he feels his mum Pam Ferguson was the key to his success and why she was the source of his desire to help every kid in New Zealand become confident with technology. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins, if you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. Mm -hmm.